the fourth chapter of Mark, beginning with the 26th verse through the 34th. Then Jesus said, God's kingdom is like a seed thrown on a field by a person who then goes to bed and forgets about it. The seed sprouts and grows. They have no idea how it happens. The earth does it all without their help. Those of you who think you have to control everything, that's all right, you all don't have to raise your hand. I know who you are. <clears throat> Thank you. Listen to that again. The earth does it all without your help. First, a green stem of grass, then a bud, then a ripened grain, and then the grain is fully formed, and you go out and you reap it. It's harvest time. How can we picture God's kingdom? What kind of story can we use? It's like a pine nut. When it lands on the ground, it's a quite small as seeds go. And yet, once it is planted, it grows into a huge pine tree with very thick branches. Eagles nest in it. And it was with many stories like these, he presented a message to them, fitting the stories to their experience and maturity. He was never without a story when he spoke. When he was alone with his disciples, he went over everything, sorting out all the tangles and untying the knots. Amen. Now, got to tell you, uh, we, I already had quite the theological discussion over this, because for those of you who have been in the church for very long, you know what the story of the mustard seed is really all about, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's been preached now for a couple hundred years as an evangelistic piece. This is how you start out small and you go out and you gather all these Christians, right? You know, and, and it's, uh, believe it or not, Facebook understood the story of the mustard seed. Think about this. Billy Graham, when he would go out, he would pack a stadium, right? 50,000 people. He might get 100 people that would convert, okay? If he did five of those a week, he would have 500 converts at the end of the week, right? What did does the mustard seed do? Well, you get one convert at a time, one at a time. But when you convert, what do you do? You go and convert somebody else. And then they turn around and they convert somebody else. It's exactly what Facebook as a social media understood. That if there was a way to connect, that the way that you would get growth, the way that you could have incredible communication is simply by using that old story of I'm going to tell you, and then by the time it gets all the way around the room, and then they're telling all of their friends, and before you know it, Billy Graham's only got 500 converts, but by the end of the week, doing it that other way, you've got thousands. So, consequently, the conversation that went on between Pastor James and I was that I was not going to preach about evangelism because I, in my own uh, study, my own years, of being in the church, have figured out that Jesus very seldom talked about evangelism. He never really talked about growing a church. As a matter of fact, if you really study Jesus pretty closely, he wasn't trying to make a church. What was Jesus trying to do? Bring people to God. Get people back into their relationship with God that the church had stolen from them. With their rules. Okay? So the idea that we have the audacity or pastors have the audacity 
to stand up on Sunday morning and use this as an evangelistic theology is just bad theology. So what the hell was Jesus talking about then? If it wasn't about growing the church, what was it about? Well, listen, what is it that God requires of us, folks? You know that passage, Micah 6, 8. What does God require? That you do justice, that you be merciful, that you walk humbly with God. And then you got Jesus coming along. And did you really listen to those first words when it said, when he said, how can we picture God's kingdom? How can we do justice? How can we be merciful? How can we be humble with God? And Jesus said, hey, it's like a mustard seed. Or in the more modern translation, a pine nut. You know, there's plenty of pine trees around here. You see how big they get. And those branches are really thick. As a matter of fact, over at the church, up until they, they pruned out the, some of the trees that are over there next to the church, we had a pair of mated uh, red-tailed hawks that had their nest up in that forest, and we got to watch every every spring. And it was really cool because they'd go up on top of the steeple and sit there and call to each other. It was so cool. But look, it's small. It starts out small. How do you do justice? Jesus said, look, it's like this. You plant it. Plant it, folks. What do you do to plant being able to do justice, to do what God wants you to do. Sometimes it just starts with what? A smile. Something as simple as a hug. Something as a simple reminder that you've been missed. Something as simple as a Facebook message that says, hey, so-and-so is trying to get a hold of you. And what happens then? Well, as we heard this morning, it's going to grow. It might even grow into a trip to New York. The family that was just this small family that had all your attention now has, in a matter of moments, with the, with the sending of one simple message, has doubled, maybe tripled. That's what Jesus is teaching here. That if you want to do this stuff, because, you know, I told somebody else this week, they were, uh, uh, they're in recovery. And uh, they were, they were, they were like, they, they're working 60 hours a week. And one of their complaints was that they don't have time to go to meetings. Amen. And so their, their recovery is in jeopardy. And on top of that, they're, they feel like their dog is being abused because, you know, the dog is alone for 14 hours a day. And then they come home and they play 30 minutes with the dog, feed the dog, take the dog out for a walk. And then they go to bed and their life is just a mess. And oh my God, I don't know what I can do. And then they, they, they put at the end of that, by the way, don't people tell me what I need to do here. I just got to work through this. Right? So you know what the pastor did. pastor sent a private message. <laughs> and I said, you know, when my plate is really full, you've heard this story before, when my plate is really full, I have a tendency to look at that plate and go, damn. And I freeze. Any of you had this experience? You freeze. And you've got deadlines and you've got people. And in the cases of family where you got kids, they're coming into the room and then, Grandma, can you do this? Mom, can you do that? Or your employer's like, do you got that report done? And you're looking at that plate and you're going, I can't do it. 
I have learned the secret to doing it is to walk away from the plate. People look at me and go, just like you, what? You got all that stuff to do. You can't just walk away. But see, that's where it traps us, folks. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us. By it being little. You walk away. I walk away. Even if it's just 15 minutes, it might be an hour. But I walk away. And in that 15 minutes, I might read a book. I might do a quick PlayStation thing. Or I might, in, when I'm at the church office, it's easy because we've got all these different ministries there. So I get to walk around and it's my procrastinating time. But I'm really taking a break. And then when I come back, the plate is still full. But I have decided in that time away that I'm going to grab the first thing that I can see in that plate and I'm going to take care of that and only that. And I'm going to close out all the noise. Jesus told us that too. Guy plants the seed, goes to bed, forgets about it. Let's the world take care of it. Amen. All of you control queens, pastor included. So you come back to that full plate and you take the one thing and you get it done and you check it off the list. And if need be, you take another break. You come back, take another thing off the plate. And before you know it, that plate of 30 things that wasn't going to get done that was driving you insane is now a big blossoming, oh my God, I have got it done. This is what this message is about, folks. Jesus was always concerned to make sure that our relationship with God is solid. I think that sometimes what happens to us in our relationship with God is it becomes overwhelming. I can't apologize to God enough. I have screwed up my life so bad. I have made so many bad decisions. How can I ever get it right again? And here Jesus is saying, look, maybe it's a seed. It's God's seed that's planted in your life. It's just one little seed. Go to bed. Forget about it. Wake up and do the first thing that God tells you to do. It's not about evangelism. It's not about going and converting the world. But of course, but of course, we're always going to worry. We are always going to worry. There was a guy that had to go in for surgery. It was pretty serious surgery. And they fact, when they explained to him that there was a good possibility that he might not come out of the surgery. Surgery took a long time. It was going to be four or five hours. He was worried because he wasn't sure that his relationship with God was okay. So they took him to surgery, and as it turned out, surgery was successful, but he was in a very deep uh, sleep. And in the recovery room, the nurse come in, and it happened to be right across the street from the hospital, a big building had caught fire. It was burning, and the flames were just spitting out the windows. And so the nurse looked at this guy, remembering how worried he was that he might die during the surgery. She closed the curtains to the window, and closed off the room. And when he woke up, all he saw was this white, and he's going, my God, where am I? And she says, you're in the recovery room. Well, why are all the curtains closed? And the nurse looked at him and said, because there was a fire across the street, and I didn't want you waking up thinking you were someplace you weren't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. 
that nurse had a very small seed that saved a very big life. God bless you.